Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Farm to Table Studios, this is The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 and Nicollet in Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would also like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podiant, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the Kevlar of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron I Took a Nap Groshong, the producer of the show. And to my left is none other than Rob Sir Moxalot Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. First quarter, Rob brings his mock draft 2.0, and you can finally find out who he has the Wolves taking now. Second quarter tonight is our talker segment where we have plenty of NBA and WNBA news to cover. It is officially Wolf Week in Minnesota, and no better way to follow Wolf Week than to listen to the howl. Quarter one of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And this week, I will be doing my Mock Draft 2.0. I had started to notice some other sites had been coming out with more recent Mock Drafts. We did our Mock Draft 1.0 a number of weeks ago. I thought it was a good chance to update that. Um, Again, this is Rob here on the Howl. And... The way I did it this time was, again, we're still a week away from the actual draft lottery, so we don't have the top three, and for that matter, really the top 10, uh, you know, top 14, the actual full lottery is not set in stone. So I used tankathon.com, ran a few simulations, and this is what I came up with as far as kind of a, a good consensus. So starting off with pick one, this time we have the Grizzlies. Now, the Grizzlies in this scenario are going to go DeAndre Ayton, uh, 
uh, a player I actually do think that most people would go with at number one. Uh, as far as the Grizzlies are concerned, Grizzlies are embracing for the most part uh, a full rebuild. They have guys like Gasol and Conley that are actually uh, currently on the team, but ultimately going young and for the future I think is key. Aiton is so incredibly talented. He will be able to step in day one and contribute. Gasol has one year left and an additional year of a player option. Aiton will be able to learn from one of the best. Luca would also not be a bad pick here, but for my money, I think Aiton is uh, pretty much everyone should go with uh, with number one. So moving on, number two, we have in this scenario the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, this is obviously a nightmare scenario for other teams. Uh, that we're hoping, specifically the Suns, who we'll get to in a bit. But uh, so at number two, uh, the no-brainer pick for me is Luka Doncic, uh, the shooting guard out of Real Madrid, six foot seven, two hundred eighteen pounds, just nineteen years of age. Uh, the Hawks will be ecstatic if they land the number two pick over the Suns. I think both teams would love to have the chance to draft Doncic. Hawks have had some talent at other spots, but the cupboard is mostly bare at the shooting guard spot. So Doncic can slide right in and play and help accelerate their rebuild. Him and Dennis Schroeder, who I was—I guess I just didn't realize how young he was, only twenty-three. I think they could be a nice duo going forward to build around from the guard positions um, moving on to number three when you look at uh, the third pick in this scenario we do have the Suns who are obviously pretty bummed uh, for a number of reasons number one that they dropped two spots but number two uh, they brought in you know their their new head coach is someone that's very familiar with Luka Doncic so I do think that that would be one of the few teams that might actually consider Doncic at number one while I completely disagree, especially given they have Devin Booker, uh, I think that tie to their their coaching staff does make a difference. But again, in this scenario, they do slide to three, uh, and I have them going Muhammad Bamba, uh, the center for Texas, uh, seven-footer, uh, just under 20 years of age. I did struggle a bit with this pick, given I don't necessarily think he is the next most talented player, but this is a definite need for them. Very high ceiling as a player, though, can step in day one and defend the paint. He can also learn from one of the best in Tyson Chan, I have seen some Suns fans talk about his potential on this team, and ultimately, this is where they go in this mock. I will add that Trey Young, for my money, would also be a pretty good pick here. But again, and again, that would be a need pick. But also, you're not jumping down the talent, uh, the talent ladder to pick a guy like Trey Young, or in this case, Muhammad Bamba. I think either one would be a, a solid pick here at number three. But again, they're really hoping that they they pick one of the top two spots. So moving on, we have the fourth pick, which is going to the Dallas Mavericks. They go Marvin Bagley, the power forward from Duke. Again, like I've talked about in the past, Marvin Bagley's not my guy. I'm just not real high on him. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player, but... I did make some comparisons to a player such as a Michael Beasley, a Derek Williams. I mean, I'm just not that high on him. So I do have him going here, though. I think it's a pretty good value pick um, as far as the Mavericks are concerned. Ultimately, I do think the Mavericks are hoping they either move up to one or two or are able to draft Mo Bamba. Uh, in this scenario, though, at four, Mo, Mo Bamba's gone. And based on my research, it sounds like despite me not loving him as a prospect, uh, Marvin Bagley will be the pick here because... The Mavericks, like a lot of other teams, really do like him as a prospect. Uh, originally, I had him going sixth, so I so I do understand his value is going to be in that top four to eight range. Uh, I'm just not sold on him, but I hope he proves me wrong for the Mavs' sake, and I hope he doesn't turn out to be that next, you know, Derek Williams or Michael Beasley. Moving on to pick five, we have the Orlando Magic. 
as they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm going to stick with my original mock, matching talent and need here with Trey Young uh, and the Magic. Uh, point guard out of Oklahoma, six foot two, uh, just under 20 years of age. If you're not aware of Trey Young, he can shoot. He is a fantastic shooter. Uh, has deep distance. I think he'd be a fun addition to a, a Magic team that is clearly in full rebuild rebuild mode. Obviously, they have a number of needs, but point guard could be uh, considered top of the list. So I think that's a, a a good pick here and it's all kind of a swing for the fences pick just because i do think he has a very high ceiling obviously some other options that they could go with here would be talented players like a jaron jackson or a michael porter i i just think that that uh, trey young makes the most sense at this stage moving on to number six we have the chicago bulls uh in this case i think they're going to be ecstatic and they're going to run to that podium and pick up michael porter you know, Michael Porter, the thing about Michael Porter is, for anyone that's not aware of his story, obviously, is that he is at, available at six basically due to his back injury, which, you know, back injuries are no joke. So I don't think any team's going to take this lightly. And, and and things could change, you know, coming up to the draft and at the combine. People look at that injury. Maybe they go, oh, man, he's completely healed. There's no risks going forward. He could move up. But in this scenario, we do have him available at six. I actually saw a fan that posted a video on YouTube and it was something along the lines of the title Michael Porter Jr. has to be the pick for the Bulls so I I do know that there are some fans out there that really really like him and for good reason Uh, you know he was coming into college as the number one prospect out of high school you know, while I did, uh, you know, I talked about this in the first mock. I really love the fit of Jaron Jackson here, but I just think that the Michael Porter Jr. value is just too good to pass up. I do like the idea that it sounds like he also wants to be a bull. He trains in Chicago, so it's a really good fit. On a side note, he also started following on Instagram some current bulls. Maybe that's not a huge deal, but again, if you look at his Instagram, he only follows like 69 people or 70 people. So uh, I think with the, and you would add to that uh, with the current addition or current options on their team at small forward for the Bulls. Uh, I do think this is a good fit. And again, this is unless I'm missing something on Paul Zipser. And maybe he's this uh, future superstar that I'm not aware of. But again, uh, that's a six Bulls go Michael Porter Jr. Moving on to number seven, we have the Sacramento Kings. You know, it's funny, if you if you do a search of Sacramento Kings on Twitter, not a lot comes up. In fact, most of it's from last year. Uh, so I think that that's, that's really unfortunate for a team that's really in uh, a rebuild. You, you would hope that the fans would maybe embrace it a little more, or at least maybe uh, some of the media, and it hasn't happened much yet from what I can tell. Um, you know, as a Wolves fan, obviously, I'm, I'm very well aware of what it's like to be uh, rooting for a down franchise. So... Again, I've pointed this out last year and in Mach 1.0. They've drafted a lot of players over the years that I really like, whether it's Scal, whether it's Willie Cauley-Stein. They've really done a solid job. De'Aaron Fox is another name. I just think they've got some really solid pieces to build on. So here I have them going Jaron Jackson Jr., one of my favorites in this draft. So if this is the way it goes, again, I'm just going to love watching the Kings going forward. Uh, Jaron is just too good to pass up. Uh, six foot ten, a freshman, just eighteen years of old at this point. Um, I just think that's huge. And they could be getting a steal with him at seven. Again, they have a lot of young, quality big men, but Jackson is just too good to pass up. And when you're starting over, you really got to go with best player available. You can't 
you have the luxury of taking a need. I think they need to hope also that Costa Cuvas turns down his player option for next year. And then you're looking at as far as centers go. Now, granted, some people do list uh, Jaron Jackson as a power forward. I do think that given his abilities, uh, you know, what he can do on the defensive end, I think they could use him as a center. And now you're talking Jaron Jackson, Willie Cauley-Stein as the centers. And that's a solid grouping uh, for the rebuilding Kings. Moving on to number eight. We talked about this in the past. A lot of things are going to depend on whether LeBron stays or not. And this is a pick that really is going to hinge on that. If LeBron is staying, I do like this pick. A good shot, solid rebounder, many things to like about his game. And I think he's a pretty good option at eight. And he's still just nine, or 18 years old, almost 19. He has shown solid defensive ability, specifically in the second half of the year. He will need to keep that up at the next level. That includes staying out of foul trouble, an issue that he struggled with earlier in the season. And, you know, for anyone that's watched the Wolves specifically, we've had issues with foul trouble from big men. I think that's just pretty common. Uh, Gorgie Jang, obviously, uh, Nikola Pekovic, two guys that really struggled out of the gates with foul trouble, but you can you can get away from that, as both those players did. I think Wendell Carter definitely can as well, especially as he's just 19. Um, another name I've seen tied to the Cavs quite a bit, actually, is Colin Sexton, so he could also make some sense here. I'm also a huge Mikael Bridges fan, so if LeBron leaves, I could see him being the pick here as well. Moving on to number nine, we go to that guy specifically. Uh, the Knicks draft Mikael Bridges, uh, the shooting guard small forward out of Villanova, six foot seven, uh, just under 22 years of age. I think it's a no-brainer pick for the Knicks. He's a solid defender. He's got a seven foot two wingspan, and he's athletic. All that combined make him just a really solid pick here for the Knicks that do have a lot of needs. Uh, he's a proven winner, uh, helping Villanova win two titles while he was at Villanova. I think on top of that. What he brings on defense is very good. Offensively, he can hit the three. He's a willing passer. He's also definitely one of my favorite players in this draft class. Now, I will say this is a pretty deep draft class. There's going to be some guys in the second round that I'm big fans of, late first. I just think you can definitely take some shots in this draft, and it'll really pan out. I've also seen that a lot of Knicks fans have really mentioned him as a guy they like. Now, again, that's just an added bonus. You don't, you can't afford to take players just because fans want them. But if you get a guy that you like that fits what you're doing, and the fans like him, it's just a, it's a no-brainer. I just think that makes this a perfect pick for that Knicks franchise. Uh, moving on to number ten, we have the 76ers by way of the Lakers, and the Sixers go with Miles Bridges. Uh, again, if Mikael Bridges slips. He's a great pick here. In this instance, he's gone. Miles Bridges. Uh, and this would be kind of a best player available. Obviously, the 76ers already have a, a solid squad. As long as they're not going up against uh, some of the top teams this season, they're just not really prepared for that yet. Um, you know, as far as Bridges is concerned, if you haven't watched him play, I suggest you do so. Very talented player. Uh, other players that have put up similar numbers to him in college's top conferences have wanted to have long careers in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be any different. I've touched on this in the past. I do wish he would have gotten a little better since he did decide to stay in school. Now, part of that is also me being a little upset that he didn't come out last year, given that the Wolves uh, could have looked to draft him if they had kept that pick and just kind of gave us more options. I think he can help the t Sixers take that next step, though. And the position flexibility doesn't hurt either. I, you know, the fact that he can play small forward, power forward, he gives you a little more options in terms of how you're going to use him. And for a 76ers team that doesn't necessarily have a ton of needs and they're already a solid squad, someone that can be moved around I think is going to help out a lot. 
Moving on to number 11 I'm sticking with the guy I had here last time And that's Kevin Knox uh, the Small forward out of Kentucky, 6 foot 9 I think the Hornets need to embrace full rebuild, make some trades to really sh- reshape this team and start over. In that scenario, I think you could do a lot worse than Kentucky 18-year-old freshman Kevin Knox. Uh, led the team in scoring, although he does need to improve his rebounding and defense. Uh, you want to grab his high upside here. When you're getting towards the end of the lottery, you can get a, a young piece with a really high ceiling. If he develops along your rebuilding timeline, I do think this is going to be a, a really solid pick at number 11 for the Hornets. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on what they do this offseason I personally think that they need to embrace the full rebuild maybe look to trade Kemba Walker depending on what you can get back I know I've I've heard people mention the Wolves as a possible trade partner maybe they try to swing a deal for a guy like Andrew Wiggins um, maybe a change of scenery kind of thing I don't know I think there's some options here for the Hornets franchise so we'll see what they end up going with but I think Kevin Knox is a solid pick here at number 11 for the Hornets Moving on to 12, we have uh, the first of two picks they'll have in a row is the Clippers. I have them going with Colin Sexton, the point guard out of Alabama, 6'2", uh, 19 years of age, freshman. You know, he doesn't have to start right away. They obviously have Pat Beverly there. Uh, not only is Sexton a very good scoring point guard, though, he is a good defender, and Patrick Beverly can help him bring that defense to the NBA. Uh, and, and long term, I think that's going to be a big benefit. You know, there's some players out there that aren't real willing to, I guess, mold or help the younger players. I think Pat Bev would be, would be willing to help out in this instance. Um, one scout, we talked about this last time, I mentioned again, one scout told Bleacher Report, uh, Sexton has the NBA body, NBA athleticism, and he plays both ends of the court. It depends on the team picking, but he's bigger, stronger, and more athletic than Young. He definitely has a chance to go before him. Obviously, they're talking about Trey Young. Um, I know some of their mock drafts have him going sooner. If he's available here, though, I think he's just a solid pick. You know, they have uh, some players, Milos uh, Tadosic, Patrick Beverly, you know, not exactly young players. So I think having someone that can kind of be in that pipeline going forward given the direction of the Clippers is definitely more rebuild than it is uh, solid. I th- this is going to be the perfect pick for them. I- another guy I could see them going with if Sexton is gone would be Shy Gilgis Alexander. So just keep that in mind going forward. You move on to 13 and uh, long time no see uh, Clippers again. Uh, and here I have them taking Robert Williams, uh, the power forward center, Texas A&M, six foot nine, uh, 235 pounds. I think the Clippers, for my money, are hoping that one of the bridges somehow falls to them. But again, if you look at the teams in front of them, that just seems super unlikely, given how talented both of the Bridges players are. I think Williams would be a solid value pick. You kind of wonder this offseason if Jordan's still going to be there. So I think that's part of the reason why I really like this pick and find it intriguing. Um, some were hoping that his game would improve more since he chose to return for a second year. You know, very similar to the aforementioned Miles Bridges. Uh, but again, there's still a lot to like here he's obviously a, he's a high upside player he's got a very high ceiling if he can improve and reach that ceiling the clippers are getting just a solid value here at 13 so moving on toward the end of the lottery and you have the denver nuggets uh sitting at 14 and uh, a player we talked about for a possibility for the clippers i think is a good pick here and that's a shy gilgis alexander the combo guard six foot six out of kentucky 19 years of age almost 20 i think they can do a lot worse than adding another versatile kentucky guard he can defend pass and like a lot of players that come out of 
uh, Kentucky, very similar to Jamal Murray, uh, high basketball IQ. So you're talking about bringing in another guy that has multiple positions that he can play. And he doesn't need to improve as a shooter. Well, who steps in? Jamal Murray. So when you're looking at the future of this franchise, if your future one-two is going to be some combination of Jamal Murray and Shai Gilgis-Alexander, you could do a lot worse. Um, I do think there are better fits in this draft, but the ones that are worth drafting here would already be gone. And as a lottery team, I think you need to grab talent, and you can't afford to just reach for a need. Uh, as an up-and-coming team like the Nuggets, while they're good, I, I mean, for anyone that's watched the Nuggets play, they're one of the better young teams in the league, but they're not there yet. They haven't reached the peak and un- until you've actually gotten to the point where you just are a proven winner you can't grab need you got to be able to grab talent and that's why i think this makes a lot of sense here and again like we talked about that position flexibility for alexander is just a big bonus uh, shout out to our friends, by the way, at the Denver Stiffs. Uh, I, they posted a mock draft recently, and they actually agreed, said Alexander would make some sense here, but the same reasons I gave, that some of the other players that maybe are a better fit are already gone. So much like other teams, they would love to see a player like Bridges slip. They, you know, they have some other pieces that they would love to see slip, uh, you know, given they already have Jamal Murray. You know, they've got that obviously one of their best pieces is Nikolai Jokic. Uh, a player like uh, Bridges, if they were to slip, would make a lot of sense here, too. Moving on to 15, and I almost feel like at 15 on, this is where it's it's just all changes because the players you're going to hear now are definitely, for my money, on a different tier, and you start to see not a, not a drop-off, not a drop-off by any means. I just think it's, it's more of a crapshoot in terms of if you look at mock drafts, for example, and you look at some of the other mock drafts aside from mine, although, come on, let's be honest, this is the one you want to listen to. But uh, if you look at them all, kind of starting at 15 is where it starts to differ, uh, whether it's um, op- opinions on specific players. You're always going to see people that are a little higher, a little lower on specific guys. So this is kind of where it changes. Uh, so my first, uh, we'll call them a changing pick, would be here we have the Wizards at 15. I have them taking Mitchell Robinson, uh, the 20-year-old freshman, six foot 11 I think given that they have some aging big men they already have obviously some solid guard and wing players I think a, taking a chance on a Mitchell Robinson makes a lot of sense for them so he is this kind of a special player he chose to skip college and instead prepare for this year's draft uh you know, you're not going to talk about Mitchell Robinson and say he's going to step right in and just be amazing. That's just not Mitchell Robinson's game. Um, he is going to take some time. Um, some names to consider when you're looking at Robinson, I think, would be kind of a Hassan Whiteside, DeAndre Jordan, just in terms of the style. Um, if for anyone that remembers DeAndre Jordan out of Texas A&M, I mean, he slipped to the second round, which, again, at the time, I thought was crazy. I, I was looking at him as a guy I wanted the Wolves to draft much sooner than that. But it's the same kind of deal where, I mean, Robinson could slide Robinson could go later than this but I just think that his ceiling is so high I think he fits a need and when you're outside of that lottery you got to kind of take some chances and again the Washington team is a team that's kind of stuck in that middle ground you know they're not amazing they're not bad but they're good and and when you have guys that are aging in his position you know you taking a shot here can really elevate you to that next level if it pans off uh, so again high upside is what describes Robinson I think to a T another player that could make a lot of sense here would be Robert Williams I've seen his name linked to the Wizards but again in this scenario he's gone so I think Mitchell Robinson makes a lot of sense so that's 15. The Wizards go Mitchell Robinson. 
Moving on, we have uh, pick 16. We have the Suns, and I have them taking Lonnie Walker, uh, the shooting guard of Miami, six foot four, a freshman, 19 years of age. He's a popular name to be linked with the Suns. Very talented freshman. Like I said, 19 years old, six foot five, six foot ten wingspan. So those are tools to make him have the potential to be a very good defender. He does need to improve his shot, and despite being athletic, I think he needs to get better driving to the hoop. But again, if he didn't have issues, we're not talking about him here at 16. We're talking about him in the top 10, the top five. His coach says in the NBA, he's going to play both guard spots. I have not seen that, but I'd like to see it. Uh, For my money, if you watch him play currently, I do think his court vision has been a little limited. If he can play point guard, though, it's an even better pick as long-term because the Suns really, really need uh, a long-term fit at point guard. And so given who they drafted earlier, given who is available now, I really like this pick of Lonnie Walker. Moving on to 17, uh, we move on to a guy. I had him going here before, but he has actually uh, declared now. So not only has he declared, but since our last mock draft, he has actually signed with an agent, so he's all in, and that player is Zaire Smith, the shooting guard out of Texas Tech. Uh, six foot five, 195, uh, only 18 right now, almost 19. He was a freshman. And I have seen, so I'm going to give a shout to Viva the Matadors. And <laughs> they have an article on their website, Freaky Friday, Zaire Smith is heir apparent to Kawhi Leonard, Texas Tech, uh, San Antonio Spurs. So what they did at, again, this is VivaTheMatadors.com, is they have scouting reports on those two players. And you can kind of, and what they did was they took the names out. So we'll start with the first one. Blank is a probable lottery pick whose best basketball is still ahead of him, given his rapid acclamation to college basketball as a freshman blank has proven that he's willing to work hard to excel the things you hear most about blank are he's got a motor that's stuck on high gear and he's a matchup nightmare because of his ability to score so many different ways and his length and hands combined with great athleticism make him a formidable defender Uh, that was chris dorch writer for the athletic that put that Um, The next one, Blank, came out of nowhere to establish himself as a legitimate NBA prospect over the course of this season thanks to his outlier athleticism and surprising feel for the game. With his tenacious defense and ability to do the little things on offense, he faces real questions about his ability to add value on offense without a reliable jump shot or particularly advanced handle. But Blank brings a high floor with his athleticism, feel, and defensive versatility. And that was from Jackson Hoy, writer for the uh, Steepen. So one of the reports is obviously Zaire Smith. The other is Kawhi Leonard. Um, and Kawhi Leonard, obviously, uh, this would have been before the 2011 draft. So you talk about some consistencies in the two high motor guys, um, defensive players, uh, where they both obviously are graded pretty high there. You know, part of it when it talks to uh, both those players being available a little later is that neither one of them was known for their three-point shooting. Now, obviously, for anyone that's watched Kawhi, Kawhi he can hit threes. Uh, that's not an issue. And Zaire Smith, if he can you know, get to that next level, bring that defense, and then bring an ability to hit the three ball at 17, this is a great pick for the Bucks. So again, 17 uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Zaire Smith is who I have going here. And again, based on the last article we mentioned, 
mentioned. Obviously, there's some Sun or some uh, Spurs fans out there that are hoping he slides to this next pick. Uh, but because he did not, we are going to have uh, going to the Spurs one of my favorite players in this draft, uh, Zanin Musa uh, from KK Sedavita, six foot nine, uh, 18 years of age, almost 19. Uh, but this is a name that has started to become popular linked to the Spurs. You know, they have a great track record, uh, Pop and the Spurs do, of foreign players. So I guess for me, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, he's one of my favorite prospects in this draft, and I had him to the Wolves in my first mock. So you obviously know I really like this guy. Uh, an elite scorer, just 18 years old. And I personally think that with Popovich's help, I think he's going to get him to defend, become a solid two-way player. So I, I don't doubt that he's going to become an amazing prospect if he goes to the Spurs. Again, his ceiling and his floor are super high on the offensive end. On the defensive end, though, it let's just say there's a lot to be desired. So he's got to go to the right franchise. I mean, he can't just go anywhere. So if the wrong team picks him, I do think he's going to have trouble reaching that ceiling uh, in terms of his overall play and being a two-way player. But again, at 18, I have the Spurs taking Zanin Musa in my mock draft 2.0. Again, you're listening to the first quarter on the Howl. This is Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel uh this is my mock draft 2.0 uh so moving on to 19 we have the hawks uh unfortunately a pick that we gave them for adrian Payne, but here they are drafting and i have them taking the six foot six shooting guard out of oregon troy brown freshman just 18 years of age almost 19 i think there are a few names that make sense here for the hawks i do feel wing or if we go more specific shooting guard makes a lot of sense and value wise that's the best position available too. uh zanin Moose if he was to drop a little further, uh, Gary Trent, uh, Kyrie Thomas are other solid options here. I think at 19, given this is a deep draft and given where the Hawks are, I just think there's a lot of options. But in this specific mock, we're going to go Troy Brown here. And I think that's a solid pickup for a rebuilding team. Now we come to everyone's favorite team. Um, hopefully, <laughs> but uh, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves drafting at number 20. This is obviously the pick they obtained by trading Ricky Rubio to the Jazz, a player we wouldn't mind having back right now, <laughs> but, in, but obviously uh, at pick 20, we're going to get a solid player. And now I got to give a shout out to Twitter. Uh, this is someone that has really started jumping up my uh, up my draft board uh, because a lot of my followers have mentioned him. I mean, I, I was familiar with with Kyrie Thomas, but I've really started to love his game more and more. Uh, he is the shooting guard out of Creighton, six foot three, but a really great long wingspan, uh, almost twenty two years of age, obviously, which is part of the reason he's still available. But again, the more I like, the more I look into this draft, the more I really like Thomas's fit here for the Wolves. While I do wish he was taller, again, super long wingspan, and he uses that to be a really good defender. On top of that, he's actually a great shooter. He can jump right in, help on both ends, I think, for for the Wolves. And we really need that bench production. And so if you can get a quality two-way guy that can shoot at pick 20, it's exactly what you want. Um, I also, I think being able to learn from Jimmy is just an added bonus. And I, I think that can help turn him into a really good player that much faster. So again, at 20 for the Wolves, I have Kyrie Thomas, uh, the shooting guard out of Creighton. Moving ahead, we go to 21, and we go to uh, the form, the team we mentioned earlier in regards to Ricky Rubio and how we got the 20th pick. That is the Utah Jazz. Um, what I have them taking is uh, Anthony Simons, the shooting guard. Uh, did not go to college. Uh, six foot four. Uh, he was a high school senior. With Exum being a restricted free agent, 
and Ricky only having one year left on his deal, I think it makes a lot of sense to grab a combo guard type prospect. Kind of gives you some future insurance, and that person can kind of grow as the team continues to grow. Obviously, the Jazz are a super talented team and way ahead of any expectations I would say most people outside of Utah thought. Donovan Mitchell for my money, is the best rookie in this class. Sorry, Ben Simmons, but I am just enamored with Donovan Mitchell and what he's able to do for the Jazz. Uh, so we look at Anthony Simons. Physically, you know, he's not tall, but I love his length, a six foot seven wingspan, an eight foot two standing reach. Uh, so he's far from a ready-made player. Uh, he did choose to over- forego college to join the draft through a loophole, and he has spent the last year at IMG doing post-grad work. Uh, for anyone that's not familiar with IMG, that is a basketball academy. Uh, I have heard some rumors that he has a promise in the first round, which is why he went this route instead of going to college. Uh, There's not a lot of info, not a lot of film, just given the circumstances uh, of Simons. But at 21, I think it's a good guy to take a chance on. Uh, but again, we'll see what, what direction they go with. And I do think a lot of this does uh, kind of hinge on his ability to play both spots, both the one and the two. So again, 21, the Jazz take Anthony Simons. Moving on to 22, we have the Bulls. Uh, they got this pick from the Pelicans, and I have them taking, again, a prospect I absolutely love, and this is uh, Jonte Porter, the power forward for Missouri. For anyone that's not familiar, he is the brother of Michael Porter Jr. Uh, he's six foot 11, power forward, freshman, just 18 years of age. You know, at this spot, he does seem to be a Bulls fan favorite. I've seen a lot of people mention his name here, and I think you could do a lot worse than Jonte Porter at 22. And if he went if he went sooner, I would not be shocked. He's a guy that really offers you a lot. Um, some people feel Porter should have stayed in school, but he has def- he has officially declared, um, but no agent, so he could return. I think in this case, you're betting on his upside. So if you draft him for the rebuilding Bulls, I think it's a nice piece. Now, again, he has not hired an agent, so we'll see if he does stay in. I do. My money is I think he stays in. I think he's going to see that he's probably going to be a top 20, 25 pick, and I think he's going to be able to help out right away. If you have not watched him, I strongly suggest you watch his game. He is quickly becoming one of the, I think, a, a riser in the draft because he can impact the game day one on both sides. Now, again, part of this is going to be on the Bulls. And we have to hope they don't foolishly do what they did last year and sell the pick, basically giving a player away like they did with Jordan Bell. Time will tell. Uh, one thing I, I pointed this out last time, I'm going to point it out again. The youngest college player drafted in 2017 was UCLA's E.K. Anabogu, and he turned, ni- he turned 19 on October 22nd. Jonte Porter is going to turn 19 on November 15th. So he's younger than anyone from the draft last year. So, again, that's Jonte Porter going to the Bulls at pick 22. At pick 23, uh, I have definitely changed this up from last time, and I'm going with DeAnthony Melton, uh, the six foot three point guard shooting guard, and that's to the Pacers at 23. I think a combo guard is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Pacers. Uh, Darren Collison's 30. Corey, jo- Corey Joseph, he's not a spring chicken. A combo guard can help in many ways, including defense, as he led the Pac-12 in steals during the 16-17 campaign. He's a good rebounder for a guard. He has shown good passing vision and quickness up the floor. Physically, he's actually very similar to a player the Pacers know very well in George Hill. I have seen some mocks have him slightly earlier. 
and some mocks, some early in the second round. So it's kind of tough to nail down the spot he's going to be at in this draft. But I feel like this is a great spot for him, not only for need, but just in terms of his talent level. I think going somewhere in the 20s makes a lot of sense. So that's uh, pick 23, DeAnthony Melton. Going to the the Pacers here. All right, so moving on to number twenty four, we have the the Portland Trailblazers, and I think they get a really great player here in Gary Trent Jr. Uh, he is the son of uh, former Howell guest Gary Trent and former Timberwolf. Uh, so you're talking about Gary Trent Jr., the six foot six Duke shooting guard from Minnesota, uh, two hundred fifteen pounds, nineteen years old. He's a freshman. I do not think there is specifically a need here for the Blazers. They've made some poor choices over the years in terms of the contracts they've given out. So I think here they go with a best player available type. And I think you can do a lot worse than a really good three-point shooter, which is what you're getting with Trent Jr. He also has good size, and he'll be able to contribute right away. Now, if you talk to his dad, obviously, you talk to any player's dad, they're going to tout their son. The one thing we do know about Gary Trent Jr., though, in talking with him in our interview, is that the guy is a gym rat, and he works super hard. Specifically, what Gary Trent said, actually, in a recent interview was that he said they kind of ran his son with the training wheels on, in a sense. He said, you know, with Duke, they kind of used, they, I think his exact words were he, he, he considers him like a Ferrari. You're driving down like a public road, and the, the fastest you can go is 50 or 60 miles an hour, but that car can obviously go a lot faster than that. Gary Trent Jr. wasn't able to show his full game. So at 24, I just think this is a solid, solid player to get if you're the Blazers. Moving on to pick 25, um, I'm sticking with the guy I had here before, and that's Kata Bates' jump going to the Lakers. The six foot seven small forward out of Ohio State. 235 pounds, 22 years of age. Uh, For the Lakers, this is a value pick, plain and simple. He can play both ends of the floor very effectively, including being one of the best defenders in college this past year. He is 22 years old already, but he will be able to contribute day one. So that's one of the the nice things you get with some of these older players. And I think that's going to be pretty important for a team that's in the rebuilding stages. Although, again, I thought the Lakers started to look really good towards the end of the year. So I think this is a team that's going to make that jump sooner than later. He does project to be mainly a three, but I think he could play some modern small ball four. Uh, 19.8 points along with 8.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and 1.6 blocks in his 34 games at Ohio State this past season, shooting 48% from the field, 38% from three. So some solid statistics. I think in a solid player you're getting at a 25, that's the Lakers taking uh, Kata Bates' job. Moving on to number 26, a guy that I don't know that everyone else is as familiar with as they should be, and that's Chandler Hutchison going to the 76ers. I think he could end up being one of those really solid sleeper picks that, you know, a year or two from now you're thinking, man, what a great player he was, and to get him where they did. If he was 18 or 19, I think you could see his name a lot higher, but since he's 22, this is where he's probably going to go in that late first round area. He can drive defend and rebound and is very athletic and he can put it all together and then you have a makings of a quality two-way player again he could be one of the steals of the draft at 26 given that the Sixers already have a power forward you know when you look at this team and look at this roster given what the Sixers already have at power forward or center I think you might have more of a need-based pick there but I think a solid small forward is still better than another guard I have seen some Sixers fans however calling for a name like Jalen Brunson here so that's going to be another name to watch uh, here at 26 for the Sixers but here in my mock draft 2.0 I do go Chandler Hutchison to the Sixers 
Moving on to pick 27. This is uh, a name I've kind of seen all over the place. I'm definitely higher on him than most, but I really like the option here for the Celtics, and I have them going Isaac Bonga, uh, the small forward shooting guard out of Frankfurt. A six foot nine, uh, obviously international player. 18 years of age I am super intrigued by him Now I'm guessing he's going to be a draft and stash Which is why I think he makes a lot of sense For a team like the Celtics That already have a lot of good young pieces And are absolutely stacked up and down And, and you know on top of that some people consider him to be a six foot ten point guard. I mean, just let that sink in. A guy that's six foot ten that can dish the ball and play actual point guard. I mean, that's crazy to me. And because of this high ceiling, I think he's the ideal draft and stash type player for a team that doesn't need someone that's going to contribute right away. Uh, if you have not watched him play, I suggest you do so because much like Hutchison, eventually this could be one of those diamond in the roughs that we talk about, you know, down the road. He has a solid looking shooting form, but it's not. Con- Consistent in terms of makes, but again, he's just 18 years of old, so 18 years old, so he has time to improve this. He can drive to the basket and finish with the best of them. Like many prospects, he does have work to do on the defensive end, but I feel that will come in time. So as far as the Celtics are concerned, this is a great draft and stash pickup for them at 27. Moving on to pick 28, uh, I have a guy that some people think will go a little sooner. I know, like I mentioned earlier, some Sixers fans have him going to the Sixers in in their uh, ideal scenario. But I have the Golden State Warriors taking Jalen Brunson. He is the point guard out of Villanova, six foot three, uh, just under twenty-two years of age. You know, Sean Livingston's getting up there in age, so I do think Brunson. Not only is he a good value pick here, but he eventually it's going to be a need as well. I know he's already almost twenty-two years old, so I think that's one of the big reasons he is still available. Uh, obviously, he's got championship pedigree playing for Villanova, so he's going to fit right in with the Warriors and their winning mentality and their winning ways. Uh, fresh off winning the Wooden Award for being the nation's best college player at twenty-eight, he is the perfect fit for this Warriors team he can score pass and he's not going to make many mistakes one of the things that you get in these older players especially guys that have played in the championship or in his case won the championship is you get a high basketball IQ and you don't get a lot of mistakes so that's what you're getting here he's going to be able to contribute day one if the Warriors do for some reason need him to but again they don't necessarily need him right away given just how successful they are and given that a lot of their players do have that position flexibility uh, Fred Van Vliet is a player he has been compared to to and uh, we talked about this last time I'll throw it out there again Uh, his dad Rick is currently an assistant with the Timberwolves so again 28 we have Jalen Brunson from Villanova going to the Warriors so we're getting down here to the end of the first Uh, we have pick 29 here and that is the Nets and I have them going a guy I did not have in my in my first draft but uh in this uh mock draft 2.0 i do have them taking jacob evans uh the small forward out of cincinnati six foot six uh, just under 21 years of age he's a player i've seen all over in mocks although i do think many people are higher on him than me not that i don't think he's gonna be a good player he's just not someone i'm completely enamored with at this stage in my process uh, but he can defend multiple positions and he has a pretty good looking jumper i think it's pretty good value here for the nets Let's be honest, the Nets have a lot of needs. They're rebuilding for a reason. They're in this position for a reason. Um, And because of that, I think he's something that can jump right in to their rebuild. Their small forwards are both under contract only one more season as well. So on top of the fact that I think it's a good value, it's eventually going to be a need too. So again, I have Jacob Evans going 29 to the Nets. 
Moving on to pick 30 and the last pick in the first round. And again, we only do the first mock draft, first round mock here. Uh, so number 30 is the Hawks that they got this pick from the Rockets. And I have them taking Shake Milton, uh, the shooting guard point guard out of SMU, six foot six, uh, you know, 21 and a half years of age. This team is in full rebuild mode, and Shake can play both guard positions given his six foot eleven wingspan and six foot six height. He's able to defend multiple positions as well, which is a big bonus. Forty two percent from three this season, and a great passer. Age as well as lacking speed and athleticism are what make him still available there at thirty. Now, again, some of you might be thinking, well. We already talked about you know your pick you're making earlier of Troy Brown, the shooting guard. Again, uh, nothing set in stone here, and I did have Shake Milton going to them in my first mock draft. Uh, so I'm not completely sold on this pick here, but I do think uh, this is one of the names to watch uh, at 30 for this rebuilding team. And again, a part of that goes into the value of it. So you've been listening again to The Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This was quarter one. And coming up, we have quarter two, our talkers segment. We're going to touch on the playoffs. We're going to touch on the WNBA season, which is getting underway now. The Lynx just had their first preseason game. There's obviously going to be lots of NBA news to touch on. LeBron James and, and his game. There's so many big topics that we're getting into on quarter two uh, coming up. How does winning over $1 million in prizes sound? Hi, Kevin Dreves from The Howl, Timberwolves Radio Show here. And Rode Microphones wants to help you do just that. My Road Reel, the world's largest short film festival, just launched for 2018 with over $1 million in prizes available. Want to enter? Go to www.rode.com slash myroadreel and follow four easy steps. You download the starter pack, create your short film, make a BTS and submit. It's as simple as that. Contest closes July 31st. For more info and rules, visit road.com slash my road real road studio quality, easy accessibility since 1967 quarter two on the howl here on dash radios, nothing but that channel. And this is our talkers segment. Uh, I want to start off with something that's kind of fun this week. This is from at Nick underscore Kapoor, and that's with a K. And it's a thread of Chinese internet nicknames for NBA players. He says, China is crazy for the NBA, but official sources use boring phonetic transcriptions, failing to take advantage of Chinese characters, having both sound and meaning. Chinese netizens have improved on these official names. So LeBron James would be the little emperor so it's a play on the English King James that is also a slang term for a spoiled only child under China's one child policy. Used more when LeBron was young, but now mostly by LeBron haters. His fans prefer Zon Wang, which would be King James. Uh, Russell Westbrook would be Way Dude. You have Steph Curry, who is F's the sky. I obviously am going to uh, use the PG version there. Um, let's see. We're looking into more of these. Some of these are pretty funny. Um, Steph Curry also has one, Sprout God, and the elementary school student. Giannis Antetokounmpo is Letters Bro, obviously because of all the letters in his name. Kobe Bryant, Snail Shell. Kobe is Snail Shell because it rhymes with My Guy Kobe. Uh, when he was young, they called him Peter Pan, literally Little Flying Warrior. 
And at the end, he became Chatterbox or Gossip, uh, which rhymes with old Kobe. Manu Ginobili is the Demon Blade, which is definitely one of the cooler nicknames. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal is the Giant Shark, which is another good one, if you ask me. I, I do find these pretty funny. Uh, apparently, he toward the end of his career, he was frequently called O-Fat, a play on O'Neal. Clay Thompson is the Buddha. Carmelo Anthony, Melon. Uh, Kevin Durant is Schoolbag, Schoolbag Do. Uh, part of it because I guess his uh, the backpack he would wear to press conferences. Charles Barkley is the best one. Uh, Kevin, I mentioned this off air that how great this one is. The Flying Pig, and <laughs> what Nick says is this one is self-explanatory. So I found that pretty good <laughs> to say the least. Uh, Michael Jordan is Gang Boss. I mean, these are pretty cool. Uh, someone mentioned vehicle nicknames. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki is the German Panzer tank, and Tony Parker is the little French sports car. Uh, you know, a lot of the other ones are pretty standard. Gary Payton, the, the, the glove, Alan Iverson, the answer. Paul Pierce, the truth. Uh, James Harden is the big beard. They say uh, Dr. J, he got turned into J-Ph.D., and Steve Francis's Steve Francis's the franchise, he says, was badly translated into special rights, which is which is weird. Um, Scotty Pippen is second best under heaven. So I mean, some of these are kind of cool. Stefan Marbury, Marbiriest political commissar. Kevin Garnett is king of the wolves, uh, which obviously is perfect. Uh, Steve Nash, son of the wind. Joel Embiid, the great one. Tim Duncan is the Stone Buddha. So uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, obviously known as the Dream in English, uh, but he was called the Big Dream in Chinese. Anthony Davis, the Thick Brow, makes sense. Uh, Tristan Thompson is the King of Eights, uh, and they point out, he says, uh, this is Nick Kapoor, that Thompson held out a training camp in 2015, received a contact a contract worth more than $80 million, despite averaging only eight points and eight rebounds. So the King of Eight, that's a pretty fantastic nickname. So uh, you got some pretty cool uh, things they're showing you off here. Moving on here, and you remember, it's that time again, and Lynx basketball is upon us. Uh, we did just have a preseason game uh, for the Lynx. One of the cool things about this game is not just that the Lynx are finally back, and by far Minnesota's most successful sports franchise is back, but uh, they played in Iowa, which is kind of cool, at the Wells Fargo Arena. So I thought it was a cool a cool thing they did for that, uh, bringing uh, women's basketball to Iowa, even if it isn't, uh, you know, obviously a permanent thing. Uh, they had a crowd of uh, 4,203 fans at the Des Moines-Wells Fargo Arena. Um, they interviewed... Sylvia Fowles, and she mentioned it was definitely good to plan for all these young girls today and give them the sense of urgency. They can do it too. Now, unfortunately, the Lynx did fall to the Washington Mystics, 90 to 85. The score actually does not show what a comeback the the Lynx had. They actually were down by quite a bit at one point. Um, new addition Daniel Robinson led the Lynx with 18 points. Lizzie Whalen and Alexis Jones both scored 11. And Alexis Jones actually just recently had a birthday. So uh, happy birthday, Alexis Jones. Minnesota, we do open our season May 20th against Los Angeles at the Target Center. I really hope a lot of the fans uh, show up. This uh, preseason game here was actually treated as a home team away from home, uh, given we're a lot closer than the Mystics. 
The Wells Fargo Arena Court was detailed with Link's colors and decals, and most of the fans sported Minnesota blue. So kind of a cool deal. Uh, Cheryl Reeve after the game said, Iowa fans are passionate about their women's basketball. I know there's a really passionate fan base here that appreciates good basketball. And who doesn't? I, I don't care uh, what level of play, whether it's high school, whether it's you know little kids, whether it's professional, college. Uh, I just love basketball. So I really appreciate that Iowa is able to at least get some form of that here with uh, getting to see the champion links, but then obviously with uh, our Iowa Wolves as well. So a very cool deal. They talk about... Uh, that you know the Lynx obviously have won four titles and Iowa is a market for basketball fans uh, that can drive to Minneapolis because you know it's not a, a super long drive and it's, that's definitely going to be uh, the best option for WNBA fans in Iowa as Reeves said getting there is an easy shot so very cool deal uh, they mentioned uh, there's an article actually on the Des Moines Register so Des Moines Register.com the game revived a bit of women's professional basketball history in Iowa, too. In 1978, uh, the Iowa Cornets opened their pr- first season of pro basketball in the Women's Professional Basketball League. So the, uh, the Cornets played home games at Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines and the five-season center in Cedar Rapids, um, which is pretty close to that. Uh, Wells Fargo Arena is pretty close to where they used to play. Uh, the WBL lasted for three seasons. It served as a precursor to later professional women's basketball leagues. So just kind of some cool background on women's professional basketball as a whole. Uh, moving on, uh, one thing I want to give a shout-out to is um, – uh, our, our two WNBA shows If you're not already following them uh, At WNBA Weekly And at WA Insider And that's uh, I-N-S-I-D-R Those are the two uh, WNBA shows that we currently have On Nothing But Net And Dash Radio uh, We're obviously looking to uh, grow more of those As far as the WNBA Insider Make sure you follow them And for anyone that's interested they are make they did make an announcement today. Uh, I want to give them a shout out. So the announcement is WNBA Insider is hiring beat reporters. The responsibility would be you're assigned two teams to cover. You'll write weekly news and analysis as well as live tweet games. There will be opportunities to write features on other teams. Uh, and he does mention this is a paid position. So uh, for anyone that's interested, and I, I strongly encourage people to do so, the WNBA is on its way up as it should be. And Again, paid position. You can apply. Uh, you can talk to. Uh, this is uh, Eli Horowitz. He's at Coach Horowitz thirteen or Eli H at WNBAinsider.com. And remember, that's I N S I D R dot com. Uh, and you would actually send in a writing sample and a resume. And the deadline to apply is Tuesday, May fifteenth. So uh, you don't have a ton of time here. But if you're a WNBA fan and you're also a writer, or even if you're like an aspiring writer, why not take a chance? See if you like your material. Uh, so, again, that's the WNBA Insider. Uh, so make sure you check them out. Uh, and as well as, uh, like I mentioned, uh, WNBA Weekly, another show on our station that uh, you really want to be uh, going to uh, now that the WNBA season is underway. So keep an eye out for that. On to uh, what's currently going on as far as the NBA is concerned would be playoff basketball. For anyone that uh, you know doesn't live under a rock, uh, obviously you're aware that again LeBron James got the job done. Him and the Cavaliers, they just uh, finished the sweep of the Toronto Raptors. Um, with that said, the Toronto Raptors, in my mind, have really moved into that kind of 
Eastern Conference LA Clippers role that's been going on for a long time. The LA Clippers, for everyone that's aware of the NBA, they kind of were stuck in that mediocrity. You know, a good team, never a great team. And that's kind of where the Raptors have been. The crazy part is the Raptors had such a solid regular season. And now there's talk that maybe Dwayne Casey's out the door. But if we stake with the Cavaliers here... For anyone that didn't watch the game last night, LeBron James, as usual, was amazing. Let's just go over some of the stuff about LeBron James here. So the most consecutive seasons with best of seven sweep, LeBron has done it six seasons. Now, again, on this list are guys Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Jared Smith. And no offense to those guys, but that's not why it's happening. Uh, Kyrie Irving, Iman Shumpert are also on this list, by the way, but they're not currently with the Cavaliers. But LeBron James, six seasons, uh, 2013 to 2018. So that's most consecutive seasons with a best of seven sweep. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. If you you know if you if you've been watching LeBron James this season, he's having arguably the best season of his career, which is crazy. You know, we're not talking about a guy that's sitting at you know 25, 26, 27 years old. I mean, he's in his 30s and he's playing just outstanding basketball. He's going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the 10th time in the past 12 years. I mean, that's craziness to me. And and let's be honest, at this stage, who can doubt him? I. Uh, if you're watching this, who can doubt him? Uh, going over his specific stats from the game last night, 29 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds for LeBron to take that serious sweep. Uh, a couple other guys will go by uh, Kevin Love, 23 points and 6 boards. You know, I, when when he was here, I was a big Kevin Love fan. When he left and the way everything kind of went down, I, it definitely left a bad taste in your mouth. But I've, I've really come to really respect Kevin Love. I really like his game, and there's a lot of stuff to really like about him. Uh, moving on, Kyle Korver, 16 points, four three-pointers. The guy is just unbelievable as far as shooting goes. J.R. Smith, 15 points and three threes. You really need uh, big com- contributions uh, for the players outside of LeBron. So uh, J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver, putting in uh, a good performance here makes a big difference. And then you uh, top it off with George Hill getting 12 points. Now, one thing I'm not sure everyone's aware of, but this has kind of come up since last night's game, and that is Rodney Hood. So for anyone that's not aware of what I'm talking about, Rodney Hood actually refused to come into the game last night when he was asked to uh, towards the end. Now, apparently he has since apologized, but they have talked about how a, a suspension could be in play for Rodney Hood. For a guy that's you know coming up due a contract, just what a terrible look, right? I mean, just a terrible look if you're Rodney Hood. So going forward, this is what you and you, this you did this on a national stage. So now we're talking all the other teams in the NBA are going to be well aware of what you've done. This is not a behind the scenes thing. This is wide open. This is out on that national stage. You start to wonder how much money this has cost him, and to me. It's crazy when players do stuff like this. This this is kind of like when you hear about in the NFL that a guy gets tested um, for drugs at the combine, let's say, and that you find out they they has they did some weed or something. Whether you are okay or against weed, what kind of a person says I need weed so bad that I need to I'm going to cost myself millions of dollars just to to take a hit? That kind of thing. So to me, it's crazy. What a sh- it's so short-sighted of Rodney Hood to be like, you know what? I'm just I'm I'm upset. I'm gonna let my emotions get the best of me. I'm not going in. You know, bah humbug. Uh, woe is me. 
it's just a really bad look. You know, I really liked Rodney Hood for a stretch, but there's definitely some issues going on there. This will not be the last we hear of this, I'm sure. So I guess we'll see. Uh, time will tell what's going to happen next uh, with Rodney Hood and the Cavs. We'll see if he gets suspended. Part of the thing with Rodney Hood, though, is if he does get suspended, I mean, it's not like they're using him anyways necessarily, which is part of his issue. So while it wouldn't necessarily affect the game, I do think it sends a good message. Not only to Rodney Hood, I think there's young players across the league that this is just not the kind of behavior teams are going to put up with. So I kind of hope that the Cavs do suspend him a game. I just think it's a good lesson for some of these other younger players, and it can help to keep guys in line going forward. On to this, kind of tying in this series, actually. I think this sweep is good possibly for the Wolves fans. Now, I will, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not saying that I want Andrew Wiggins gone. I'm actually a bigger Wiggins fan than most. But there's definitely been a lot of fans within the Wolves fan base that are very anti-Wiggins. You know, nothing against him personally. He seems like a good dude. But a lot of people are just upset about the fact that when he plays, you really feel like he lacks the passion. He's not improving his game like people want him to. He's so physically gifted, and you just want to see more from him in that regard uh, in terms of growth and adding to his game. So to spin off that, you start to wonder if maybe a team that's been forever linked to Andrew Wiggins because he's from Canada, if this sweep brings the Raptors to the front and they say, you know what, let's make a move of some sort. Now, Kyle Lowry's been tied to the Wolves uh, this past offseason. You know, there was some talk maybe. I know Jimmy Butler's a big fan of his and they're friends. And my understanding is I think Jimmy Butler was trying to get him to come here. I'm sure Tom Thibodeau would appreciate uh, another scoring point guard. I, you know, friend of the show, uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson, uh, he retweeted and he mentioned uh, a trade that someone had talked about uh, via Twitter. And it was basically, you're looking at, you know, Andrew Wiggins and Teague for, you know, some combination of Lowry, maybe Siakam and some pieces. You know, I'm going to call this out and I'm going to say that if the Wolves are trading Andrew Wiggins to a team like the Raptors, the one guy that it starts with for me is OG Ananobi. Now I get it. I've been told up and down Twitter that I'm crazy. There's no chance that the Raptors are getting rid of OG Ananobi. But let's remember, he's, he's just a rookie. He's played one season. It was a very impressive season. It's good, but I think that you could maybe convince the Raptors and say, look, you're getting Andrew Wiggins. He's just 22 years old. We're not talking about some old guy. He's from Canada. He's going to get people in the stands. He's going to kind of, I think he could kind of help to jumpstart that fan base. Now, I know not everyone's on board with, with Andrew Wiggins, but maybe a change of scenery is something that would help out both franchises. Now, in if you're moving Andrew Wiggins in the deal that Doogie talked about, we're looking at Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Teague as kind of the centerpieces of that deal, going to the Raptors for Kyle Lowry, and then some. So, Again, if I'm going to do a trade like this, I'm not looking to just offload Wiggins. I'm a big Wiggins fan. I do think he's going to get better, and he's kind of vowed to get better. Now, again, players can say what they want. Like, I could tell you I'm going to go make the NBA next year. I'm not. I'm not going to make the NBA, but I can say it. But, again, I don't think it's just lip service by Andrew Wiggins. I do know how hard he works with his trainer, Drew Hanlon, and I think there's things to take into account this offseason. Drew Hanlon and Wiggins always come up with plans going into the offseason, so I would be shocked if he does not improve. Uh, to go off of that, uh, from the jump, 
And for anyone that's not aware of The Jump, it's a show on ESPN. Tracy McGrady on the show said, Andrew Wiggins can still add to his game and offers to work with him over the summer. Now, I remember in the in the past, there was some kind of rumblings of Kobe Bryant willing to work with Andrew Wiggins. I don't think anything came of that, if I recall. But in this instance, man... I would love Trace McGrady to work with Andrew Wiggins, and I really hope Wiggins is open to that possibility. In fact, I don't think it'd be the worst thing if Tracy McGrady and Drew Hanlon got together and worked out with with Wiggins at the same time. I'm not necessarily trying to change the vision that Drew Hanlon has when he does his training, but just you know, kind of adding that extra piece, and they can kind of work together. What you don't want is Drew Hanlon telling him one thing, Tracy McGrady telling him another. So. We really want to make sure that they're going across with that that same message. Uh, so I think that's going to be important going forward, and we'll see we'll see what ends up happening with that. But I think uh, some good things could come of that. You know, speaking of Andrew Wiggins, for anyone that is not aware of this, Andrew Wiggins during the uh, during the actual season, he was actually not allowed to work with his trainer Drew Hanlon. Instead, they were to, he was told you know he had to work with uh, uh, Peter Patton, who was the uh, the Wolves shooting coach uh, on the team. And now you're talking about the Wolves actually got rid of a bunch of the of their staffers, one of which is Peter Patton. I just it kind of bothers me that this message we're sending these players. So Tom Thibodeau is telling Andrew Wiggins, oh by the way, you have to work with our guy. Oh, but now we're going to get rid of him in the offseason. And, and what kind of a message does that send? On top of that, one of the people that was was fired was Vince LaGarza. Uh, he's a player development coach, worked very closely with Carl Anthony Towns. And they did not talk to Towns about this move. Now, again, I, I don't think we need to go full-on uh, country club, you know, how we used to have... Kevin Garnett was a pretty vocal point, vocal part of the team, just in terms of he clearly had a pretty large say in who got brought in. I don't know that I want that necessarily for Towns, but I do think there's something to be said about going to your superstar and saying, look, this is kind of your coach. How important is he to you? Because to me, it's tough. Uh, I look at it this way. When you're, in, like when you're in school and certain teachers can reach certain students and certain teachers cannot, it's no different here in basketball. Certain coaches just know how to reach certain players. And so to get rid of this guy without even talking to Towns, I think that's a mistake. It's no different than when you hear about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And there's kind of a disconnect there, and they don't go. To, they have not gone to him with whether it's personnel decisions, whether it's players, and they, you know they got rid of his quarterbacks coach uh, recently. You know things like that. I think are a mistake. I think I'm again. You don't make them dictate. You don't let those players dictate. But at the same time, I do think it makes a difference to go to them and just say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And, and kind of explain the process. That can go a long way. Even if in the end you still just get rid of him, at least Towns would, wouldn't feel slighted. Because the way we did it, I feel like he has every right to feel a little slighted, which is how this process played out. So, again, time's going to tell what happens there. I know there are some reports that there could be a, a fifth coach. Uh, Doogie pointed this out. could be a fifth coach that's going to be changing good news is it does not sound like it's going to be ryan saunders if they get rid of ryan saunders i know a lot of wolves fans i know i'm gonna be upset about the only the only change i would want with ryan saunders is if is if tom thibodeau's gone if tom thibodeau's gone and they promoted ryan saunders i'm all for that but otherwise i don't want i don't want his role to change i just think he's very important with what we're doing here 
you know, moving on to that, obviously we've started to see kind of a lot of coaches and a lot of things change in the scope of the league. One thing that happened recently was Stan Van Gundy was let go. They mentioned how he was willing to be just a coach, but they said, no, we're going to go in a different direction. So Tom Thibodeau is the only uh, dual operation guy now in the NBA. Doc Rivers is just a coach now. He's no longer a Pobo. Now Stan Van Gundy's gone. I just wish, and I know it's probably not going to happen, but again, I really wish that Tom Thibodeau would be gone. I just don't. I don't love what he's done with this team, and we've talked about this in past episodes. I don't like how he's handled free agency, bringing guys like Shabazz Muhammad in, Jamal Crawford, promising them minutes, promising them playing time, and then really not holding his end up at the bargain. And the problem with that, obviously, is going forward, you're going to have uh, potential free agents that are going to see that and say, well, he's telling me I'm going to play 25 minutes a game, but am I really? Am I really going to play that many minutes? Uh, I think it's going to play a, a role here when Bielitsa this offseason. Now, he's a restricted free agent, but if you're Bielitsa, you really don't want to come back here. I don't think. Even if you, like, maybe you like the team itself, but... I don't think you like the way you were treated by Tom Thibodeau. You don't get consistent minutes. The minutes you do get are low. If you don't really consistently put something, if you don't show something those five to ten minutes you're playing, you're not getting more minutes, and that's tough. And so you really wonder what's going to happen this offseason. I just think it's going to be pretty pivotal. And if somehow we were able to move on from Tom Thibodeau, I know I personally would not be upset. So, again, we're just sitting here in May, early May. Uh, the NBA season's not even over yet. So time will tell which direction the Wolves actually go. I would say at a minimum, you're probably looking at at least one more year of Tom Thibodeau. But let's uh, kind of, as Wolves fans, let's uh, f- keep our fingers crossed that maybe there's some sort of a change going forward. Circle back to the WNBA quickly. Um, I noticed, uh, this is from at Natalie, Natalie Weiner, uh, but she mentioned uh, NBA League Pass for the WNBA is just $17. Now, for anyone that's aware of NBA League Pass, the issue has always been it's just so incredibly expensive. It's crazy expensive. But at this price, at $16.99 currently, you can't beat that price. Uh, you have live and archived uh, games all season long, multiple game viewing and DVR functionality, uh, box score and play-by-play overlays. And uh, I did actually see uh, someone else pointed out one of the reasons that WNBA League Pass is better than the standard NBA League Pass. The WNBA version actually marks, <coughs> excuse me, marks all the in-game action on the video feed. You can skip around to see made shots, rebounds, assists, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of a cool deal uh, going forward. So I strongly recommend uh, for anyone that wants to be able to watch out-of-market games or maybe games that aren't going to be televised like in your market. Like, for example, if there's a game that's not going to be televised in Minnesota, but it's going to be available somewhere else, you can watch that. For me, I'm definitely thinking about getting this for $16.99 because I want to be able to really catch all the big games this season. And plus, what's nice, too, is while games are subject to blackout, you can watch them after the fact, uh, generally on uh, League Pass. So it's kind of cool. You can go back and watch some of the big games the Lynx will play this week or uh, whatever your favorite team is. Again, uh, you just don't want to miss out on uh, this opportunity considering just how cheap it is. So, again, uh, $16.99, uh, you can go to uh, the WNBA's uh, official page there uh, to check that out. You know, looking at some of the other playoff series here in the in the NBA, uh, currently, obviously, we have the Jazz Rockets series that's going on. Uh, that might be uh, over by the time our show airs. You have Pelicans Warriors. Again, 
that actually might be done, and it would not surprise me if both those series were done by the time our show airs. And then you have 76ers Celtics, which uh, that game's going to. The next game uh, is going to be airing after uh, our show airs. Um, the one thing I'll mention in regards to these series, it would have been really cool to see what the Jazz could have done with Ricky Rubio. It's unfortunate that he's been hurt, but, I mean, it just makes it a little tough. The Jazz, I think, are a really good team going forward, but Ricky Rubio is a big part of that. And so you lose his defense, you lose his leadership, his passing, his rebounding from the guard position has been phenomenal. So that's something to keep in mind you know, when you're watching this game, when you're watching them going forward, is just what an integral piece that they're missing. Um, when you look at the Warriors and the Pelicans, again, it's just a talent thing. The Warriors are just so incredibly talented. It's just it's just so tough for anyone. I know Anthony Davis has been amazing, but and I get that Drew Holiday's had a good season. They've got they've had a good season. The, the Pelicans really have, but they just can't stack up uh, to the Warriors for my money, and that's a little tough. Moving on to the Celtics and the 76ers. I really appreciate, you know, Joel Embiid likes to talk a big game, and Joel Embiid is a fantastic player. You know, I'm not ripping him by any means, but you know, when he's starting to celebrate in the middle of that game and Morris gives him the old 3-0, I, I really appreciated that because, you know, guys got to be smart. Like, you know, it's the ever, uh, it's, it's kind of that old adage where someone kind of rips in you and you just go scoreboard, scoreboard. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Maybe the time to celebrate isn't when you're down three games to zero. On top of that, moving out of the Celtics side of the ball, for anyone that didn't see this, when they took that 3-0 lead, after the game, as they're walking to the locker room, you can hear one of the, on the telecast, you can hear one of the players go, where's LeBron? Where's LeBron at? Why would you poke the bear? I think there's a good chance, no matter what happens, the Celtics are going to lose to LeBron uh, when it comes to the next round. But on the off chance, and you could find a way to win. You know how you're not going to win that game? You're not going to win that game by poking the bear. You're not going to win that game by saying, all right, where's LeBron? We're ready for him. We're ready for him. You're not. You're not ready for him. Plain and simple. I mean, you just aren't. And I just think it's ludicrous to me to do stuff like that. Just let the game play out. Beat the 76ers. You know, beat them, let's say, four games to one. And then move on to LeBron James. And then and then just let the let the cards fall where they may. Uh, let's, not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But on top of that, I want to give a shout-out to Brad Stevens. He has been an absolutely incredible coach. I have been so impressed with what he's been able to do for with the with the Celtics team. I get that the Celtics are obviously a good basketball team, great young players. Danny Ainge has done a fantastic job. But that team would not be where they are if it weren't for Brad Stevens. For, for my money, uh, you know, it's funny. You talk about how Dwayne Casey might win coach of the year and he might be fired. I don't care what anyone says. My coach of the year is Brad Stevens. What he's been able to do with that team has just been remarkable this season with all the injuries they've had. So kudos to them and kudos to uh, the Celtics. So hopefully they can keep that up. But again, my money's on the Cavaliers and my money's on the Warriors. And I think we, we get another repeat. I know some people won't like that, but man, would it be great. You know, you watch, if you could find a way to watch the Warriors get taken out by LeBron James. Uh, that would make my year. I got to be honest, it would. So, again, time will tell on that. Uh, that kind of wraps it up for quarter two.
That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.